This episode of With Love and Justice for All is brought to you by Bliss Books and Wine. Bliss Books and Wine is an independent black-owned bookstore for wine enthusiasts and book lovers. Listed as one of the black-owned bookstores in America that amplify the best in literature by OprahDaily.com, Bliss Books and Wine is your go-to for all your favorite titles, including ebooks and audiobooks. And when we buy from black-owned businesses, we are helping to create a world of racial equity. When ordering online, use the code 846BOOK for a 10% discount. That's 846-B-O-O-K for a 10% discount at blissbooksandwine.com. Through mindfulness practices focusing on anti-racism, we increase our emotional resilience, recognize our biases, and make real our common humanity. Join Project Sanctus every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern for Walking Each Other Home, a weekly guided meditation and embodied mindfulness practice on Zoom and Facebook. Let's walk together on the paths of justice and racial healing with humility, kindness, and love. Learn more at ProjectSanctus.com. Exploring the healing and culture-building practices of embodied anti-racism. This is With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Welcome, welcome, welcome to With Love and Justice for All. I'm Reverend Kelly Isola. I'm joined by my partner in consciousness and crime, Reverend Ogan Holder. What up, what up? (laughs) So many things. I know it's just sort of a general what's up, but so many things up and down and up and down again. Uh, This is Love and Justice for All, where we talk about embodied anti-racism, dismantling oppression in all its forms, fostering liberation, and particularly the the challenges that arise as spiritual seekers. We are both um, licensed and ordained ministers, although I have to confess, Ogan, sometimes I don't want people to know that. (laughs) But that's probably a different podcast. You, you know, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. When I introduce myself to people, mm. it is perhaps the last thing I let them know. I know. Uh, you know, you know, I need you, I need you to like me first or let me give you the opportunity to like me first before because you say that word minister, man, it changes the it whole does. dynamic uh, of the conversation and the relationships. So. And you know what's <clears throat> it's I know this is a squirrel <laughs> moment. We, we down the rabbit hole already. I Two know, minutes in, a... we're down the rabbit hole. Well, you know, you can always count on me for that. Um, but what's funny is, as you said that, I could feel the quote unquote liberation leaving when I think about, you know, conversations or meeting new people and why I don't say the minister part, because I enjoy the freedom of just being Kelly. And then they find out and that's the end of that. Right. It, it, is, um, it is. It is. Listen, it is a real thing. It is a real thing. It is a real thing. And then you got to explain what unity is. And then that's a whole other. Oh, thing. yeah. 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 No, <laughs> no, no. It's like being a greeter at Walmart. How's that? <laughs> it is nothing like that. What are I you know, talking I about? I'm, I don't know. I'm just going from one squirrel moment to another. Let's get back to script. <laughs> okay. 
Yes, we can. We want you to. Know, yes, we so. might actually return to this conversation as we talk about love and rage because there's, there's um, a connection there. I'm thinking there me. is, which is what we are talking about today <laughs> is love and rage, a path to liberation. And we're we're um, basing our conversation on the book um, by uh, Lama Rod Owens, who um, the name of the book is Love and Rage, the Path of Liberation Through Anger. Um, by Lamarad Owens. Um, so we're going to unpack some of that. And because we have an event coming up around that, which I will let you, Ogan, talk about. But first, before we go there, just want to thank our listeners and our subscribers that come from all over the U.S. and they come from all over the world. Um, there's always uh, some new country uh, listening in, um, which is really exciting to me. Canada, France, the U.K., Ukraine, Brazil, Mexico. Yeah. Um, yeah. We international. We are. We are. Yes, yes, we, yes, we are. And as always, uh, no matter when or where you're listening, you can join in on the conversation um, on Facebook or Instagram. Our handle is at Get Our Holy On. And you can watch us uh, live stream the recording of this podcast on Facebook Tuesdays and Fridays, Fridays, Tuesdays and Fridays around three, somewhere in that three, four o'clock hour. You know, sometimes we're a little flexible Eastern. with the recording time, but yes, Eastern, three o'clock, yeah. three o'clock Eastern, somewhere there. Um, and you can uh, respond in the comments in real time. You can also call, leave a voicemail, uh, 413-GET-HOLY. That's 413-438-4659 for those of us without um, letters on our phone. And so a <laughs> couple of things coming up. Um, our, our final nonfiction, sorry, our final fiction book club gathering for the year we've been doing these monthly for the last few months that's happening this thursday um today we're recording tuesday the 25th so tuesday october the 27th um that's happening um it is how the one-armed sister sweeps her house it, i don't know you're gonna get that read if you hadn't before now but still jumping on the discussion um our non-fiction book club i think we got two more sessions we're doing mm -hmm. do the work by W. Kamal Bell and K. Schultz is that it is a chock full activity book of actual things to do to help dismantle uh, white supremacy and racism. And you can jump in at any time. So even though there's just two sessions left, if you're hearing about this for the first time and you're interested, please join us for that. And we've got two workshops coming up we're very excited about. Um, let, me, let me work backwards chronologically. Um, on December 3rd, um, 10 to 2 p.m. Eastern, that's a Saturday, and November 19th, 10 to 2 p.m. Eastern, also Saturday. We're doing the same workshop twice. It's not a part one and a part two. It's it's the same workshop. We're offering it twice to give the opportunity to jump in on it, and it's called Talking to Your People, because we got midterms coming up. We got the holidays coming up, and we know many of you, you visit family during the holiday times, and often there are discussions that you just as soon avoid. Maybe it's around politics, uh, maybe it's around religion, maybe it's around racism, sexism, all the things. And many of us aren't equipped with how do we have these conversations with our family members without, you know, waving that turkey carving knife around in a seemingly hostile manner. So. We, we have some help for you. We, we're designing this workshop called Talking to Your People to provide you with a plan before, during, and after the conversation uh, and equipping you so you can um, get more information and register for that at our website, projectsankas.com uh, slash events. 
and hopefully we'll see you there. There's going to be a lot of role playing. So we're not yes. just throwing information at you. We're going to no. set up some fun scenarios <laughs> for you to do your work. Wait, wait, wait. Are there air quotes around that fun word? There's always air quotes around fun. <laughs> I'll, I'll play the racist uncle. Uh, just, just to mess <laughs> okay. with your head. Just to mess with your head. I'll, I'll play Karen. <laughs> there you go. So we, 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 will, we will have that workshop for you. Uh, but before then, and this is the actual topic of our uh, episode today, we also have uh, Love and Rage, a contemplative play shop on liberation. That will be on November 12th. It's going to be from 10 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Yes, there will be a lunch break. And this is um, another, an, uh, another conscious anti-racism play shop that will invite us to redefine our relationship with anger, love ourselves deeper, and decolonize towards wholeness and this is based on the book uh written by lama rod owens and this will be also very interactive because this is this is embodied stuff we do so so those are the workshops coming up um for the end of the year and um and we also have oh we also have uh we don't have dates yet but we got we got our, our next book study for the new year coming up called wait, where did my copy go american detox that's right american detox um and, and we do actually have dates apparently i don't <laughs> well when we talked the other day i put them on our calendar <laughs> i'm just clearly, glad that I clearly one of us calendar. is always paying attention one of us is always paying attention which oh, is i like I one. Do, okay i do see it in my google calendar now that's my bad yeah. i didn't remember we did that so starting january 10th Starting January 10th, that's Tuesday evening from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern time, we'll be doing an American detox and really taking a look at the toxicity around wellness um, mm -hmm. and how we can also decolonize the whole wellness, um, uh, what do you call it, philosophies? Uh, well, yeah, and how the have. wellness, how, how, you know, wellness is really very, has been very built on, you know, the white Colin, uh, cultural norms exactly uh, so really um shifting that exactly and, and you this, know the idea of self-care and how you know even our wellness practices have perfectionism built in and and other other yes. elements of illness exactly uh, perfectionism and urgency so yeah. um so you can order your book um, from blissbooksandwine.com. They got it up there on their on their uh, website. Um, use the code 846book for a 10% discount. Help us support that Black-owned bookstore. Um, they're in, based in Kansas City. They sell online. They're very close to opening their brick-and-mortar store, uh, which is very exciting. So, um, you know, part of, part of shifting, shifting the system, decolonizing the system is paying attention to where you make your purchases. So please help support... Uh, Again, Black-owned bookstore, it's owned by two sisters. Even if you aren't able to make the dates of the book study, this is a very important book to read. So go ahead and look for that there. That's American Detox from blissbooksandwine.com. Use the code 846-BOOK. All right, so love and rage. Let's, yeah. let's, let's jump in. And the reason, so um, I, I actually just finished reading this last night just in time for the mm. workshop. Um, and, and one of the things I really love about this, as we talk about decolonizing minority days and just start the discussion here, for so long in new thought, in spirituality, um, 
I was told anger is a bad thing. Not to mention, not to mention rage, which is like extreme anger. But but anger is bad. Um, anger was an indication that I was failing at my spiritual practice. If I was doing this spiritual practice right, I wouldn't get angry, or I wouldn't stay angry very long. Um, or and if I got angry, I should be able to simply just like redirect that, or transform that, or put the positive spin on it, and therefore move on from anger. And I'll be the first to admit, I used to teach that too, because that's what I was taught um, right. as well. So I was I was a perpetrator of the of the crime uh, as as well. Um, and I've come to realize that that's not the the case. Um, what I what I say to people now is, um, you know, yeah, you can uh, there's you, you can become outraged, which is which is for me more of a more of a I don't and I use this term and it's probably gonna need some explanation. The righteous anger, like there's stuff that you should be angry about. There's yeah. stuff out there. There's injustices, discriminations that yes, you should become angry about them. And rather than stay enraged and let the anger consume you and be toxic, you know, sort of use that anger as the pathway, as a pathway towards action, as a pathway towards realizing your own complicity, as a pathway to your own decolonization, all these things. Um, and therefore, anger and anger is a pathway to healing, actually. It is. Well, it, it, I, you know, I want to back up just a little bit because you you were talking so fast i was a cl- i gave um, the cliff notes that was the that was a cliff note paragraph okay. excellent right? you know <laughs> yeah don't well, need to come to the I, workshop that wasn't it all <laughs> right okay we're done yeah. talk to you later bye-bye now, that was more the why <laughs> and the what the how will be involved in the workshop <laughs> right 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 well so yes I, break I, it down break it down i wanted to come back to um there's, you know, at the opening of the introduction in the book, there's this quote from Audre Lorde, and she says, but anger expressed and translated into action in the service of our vision and our future is a liberating and strengthening act of clarification, for it is in the painful process of this translation that we identify who are um, our allies with whom we have grave differences and who are our genuine enemies anger is loaded with information and energy yeah um and i really love that um because it's there is this it is loaded with information and energy and and it's been uh and certainly with a new thought in many spiritual traditions that there is this uh, that if you're angry, if there's rage, if there's upset, you know, even like mild anger that we might call irritation, then, then there must be something wrong. There must be something amiss. I've messed up. It's, it's so toxic. And it, all it does honestly is fuel the rage, fuel the anger that is going on underneath because we believe that and it feeds the sense of inadequacy that we already have which then just keeps those embers going. And um, and it's really, it's, you know, one of the things I love about the book and, and the practice, you know, the practices within the book and engaging with and embracing the anger and the rage, which he, he sometimes uses, you know, synonymously, like switches the words out. I, yeah. like you, I've kind of had a, a, a difference with the words in part because 
the family I grew up in, um, my dad was a, he was an angry man often. And then there were the times that it was rage where yeah. you knew like run for the hills. <laughs> yeah. And rage, I run faster. <laughs> rage for me implies, uh, 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 there may not be always, but it implies like violence. Mm. Um, you, you know, that, that, the, that the anger isn't just seen and heard, but it is, it is felt and it may not be physically felt, but you know, it is, it is felt for me, like, you know, um, anger and rage is the difference between, you know, throwing a lit match and throwing a Molotov cocktail. That's, you know, there's, yeah. there's fire involved, but one's going to do a whole lot more damage. Well, I realized too, when I, you know, when I, uh, first read the book that, that, I did differentiate between anger and rage and my connection to rage was partly what you just said and that there's something physical involved. And I don't mean violence, but the body's in movement, right? So if rage is being expressed, maybe, you know, the person has, you know, stood up or they're using their arms or it's just, uh, it's, it's, there's more outward expression um, and it might involve, you know, physical something physically, you know, unleashing onto someone, um, you know, like hitting or getting spanked, you know, when you're little. Um, but rage was seemed more of like, more of like an adult emotion <laughs> than, right. than, than anger. Like, I don't know that we speak about children when they're really angry that, oh, now he's enraged. You know, I don't know that I'm just realizing it as I'm saying that I don't know that we actually use the word rage. Um, no, we, children. We, we don't. I, we barely use yeah. it when it when it comes to adults. Yeah, so you're saying, yeah. you know, that's not a that's not a word we use a lot. And I think part of it is because um, we we tend to want to shy away from the anger um, when it's when it's there, or, or or get to the other side of it really quickly, or yeah. or you know, and again, that rage is usually. Again, from my perspective, usually associated with with physical expression of the of the anger, um, right. and and also sustained rage implies you're you're sitting in that anger and acting on that anger for a long time. You know, for me, anger sort of, and this might be my own <laughs> spiritual baggage. Anger has more of a fleeting connotation. You know, I got angry and then I moved on. Uh, I suppose rage is like I'm I'm simmering, and then I'm gonna reach a boiling point, and then, mm. you know, blow blow my top at some point. That's the rage thing. Is yeah, something's exploded. Yes. Um. Yeah. That's a good. That's that's how I. You know that if I, you know what's what's rage, what's anger, and differentiating them, and and um, so in the book he does sometimes you know use them interchangeably. Um, but the the root of both experiences isn't any different is is where where we wind up going with this um, you know as as anger as a path to uh, to liberation. Um, I think that's a to say to make that statement is um, I think is challenging for a lot of people. What do you mean? We're supposed to be getting rid of it because you know we're supposed to be making peace with each other. We're supposed to be like fill in the blank. And and every time you're supposed to, you know that term, it just just right. solidifies that sense of inadequacy because you're we're not right. Um, you know, I've yeah. I've had to. It's been a um, a journey to for anger for me to to make it be okay. 
Um, and that's yes, really yes, the, yes. really one of the, the biggest pieces is um, becoming aware of it and engaging it. Like, it's okay. Like, allow it to bring its seat up to the table. And the reason I... I didn't was because of the family I came out of. Like you just didn't, you got in trouble if you were angry. Um, well, for me, it was, uh, so wait, let me, let me ask you a follow-up question uh, before I make it all about me again. Um, <laughs> when, when, <laughs> before I recenter myself in the conversation, when you say you got in, you got in trouble for being angry, like, what when what I, I assume that means you were punished or how was how was yes. how was it yeah, dealt that with it was if we if if we showed anger um like got mouthy mm-hmm. <laughs> growing up if we got mouthy or you know if you hit your sibling your if you hit your brother or your sister or you yelled or whatever you know then you got in trouble you got you know go sit on your bed go weed the garden time out you know extra whatever it was um gotcha. you just what I learned um about anger was not to have it and as a result um i i wind i wound up in addiction you know i mean i've been clean Mm. for 30 almost 34 years but i went into the very dark road of being an addict like there's some so it which is you know it's turned inwards which is what you know he, he talks about in the book you know right up front that the anger is is you know whether anger or rage it's you know we're really emotionally hurt and we're trying to find a strategy to to take care of ourselves we're trying to find a strategy to to um to offer some tenderness to ourselves but we haven't been taught how to do that so instead we stick with the anger we stick with the rage because we've been taught that there's some kind of protective nature you know about it um you know, and if I can, if I can not, maybe not at home, that's where I learned because we weren't allowed to have the anger in the home, um, except my dad, he was allowed to, uh, what the message that I grew up with, um, and, you know, it took me a while to kind of, un- to discover what it was and unpack it and, and begin the healing process was, it was um, these three little phrases, be strong, be good, shut up. Mm be strong, be good, shut up. And none of those give space for anger or rage. Right. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. And I'm thinking of all the implications, the way that informs your decision-making in adulthood. Yes. As, as, as well. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, my, I grew up with my mother being the, being the torchbearer of anger in our family. Mm-hmm. and she was either super calm or super angry there was no in between and it like mm-hmm. flipped on a switch even even to this day um she she is to her credit a lot calmer now but 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 if anything happens that um she doesn't agree with in principle in theory and practice all of a sudden it's like you know and i think for her it was this is this is how you get people to comply. So so that was a lesson I grew up with, um, being afraid to of making her angry, which ended up being um, being afraid of her mm. as well, and learning yeah. to suppress my thoughts, my opinions, my feelings, 
um, you know, was I born an Enneagram nine or did I become an Enneagram nine because of that? <laughs> I'm going to say the latter probably. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Cause so from early on, it was like, how do I make her happy? Cause if I don't make her happy. Then, then there'll be peace and I'll be okay too. Right. So, so mm. that, that informed my whole decision making around making others happy, avoiding conflict, going along to get along, suppressing my needs and then at some point you can only squash down so much and then the rage yeah. comes up, right? The rage happens. Um, when I was married, the 15 years that I was married, it happened, it happened twice to the point that it almost ended my marriage when out of the blue, I just like blew, like really blew my top and engaged wow. in, in unrecognizable behaviors to your point about addiction, right? Um, and, and it was like, what, what, what happened to the easygoing with the flow laid back Caribbean guy, but that's because of years of practicing how to squash the anger, not having a healthy relationship with the anger, being afraid of my own anger, um, as well. And even to this day, even though I have a wholly different and healthier relationship with anger, the default of, of squelching. Mm. And avoidance is still there. Like it's still the first visceral reaction that I get. And I have to tell myself, oh wait, no, you don't do it that way anymore. We we know right. we know how to express our thoughts or feelings or desires. Mm -hmm. We know how to disagree. We have words we can use. We don't have to get angry about it. And we also don't have to avoid it as well. Right. But but this is, listen, this is a practice that's only been in place for the last, I don't know, eight of my 48 years, right? Yeah. It's still relatively new. So the default, the default is, is, is still there to be afraid of, of my anger. But, but now it's, 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 for me, the anger, for me, the anger is an indication that um, some action thoughts or beliefs is out of alignment with the essence of who I am. Um, that's, that's the first indication. Yeah. The, um, he, you know, um, one of the things I love about this, this work and particularly is the, the beginning place of that you're okay, just as you are. Yeah. And I don't need to, there's nothing, you are already loved, you already belong, there's nothing to fix, there's nowhere to get to, you know, like when, when you are angry, is it uncomfortable? Absolutely, <laughs> you know, but, but the anger emerges out of tension, right, between being, you know, most of us, I think, have heard that the anger, the rage, like underneath that is, is the hurt. Yes. Um, and, and we want to, take care of that hurt we want to tend to it um because we don't want to um but we don't know how right we were never right. taught and what we were taught was that i need to direct my anger at something or someone there's something or someone to blame and if i, I stamp it out if i can just not feel angry um then uh, then all would be right in my world and yet i it never that never worked but I kept trying. That's one of those like addiction <laughs> things, right? You gotta right. keep trying. Let me try a different drug. Maybe this one will have yeah. different effect. You know that one. Um, but what I what's what's so powerful for me in this practice and why it's a pathway to liberation is that um, you know, when I can tell myself I'm 
pissed. In fact, I, I'm sitting here right now. I know there's stuff bumbling, um, bubbling underneath because of things going on in my world. And I can say that I'm really angry. Um, then I, my practices and what, and what we're going to be doing in, with this as a pathway to liberation is to, to turn my attention to, um, to the, the, the wound, right? The, the hurt that's underneath the anger mm -hmm. and um and and we think about anger as trying to protect ourselves right i get angry because there's right. this tension and there's and i'm hurt so i want to take care of myself so how do i protect myself and really it's not about protecting ourselves um but it's it's about protecting the hurt right there's our our little broken hearts right there's something much deeper that that's where we turn our attention to and that's um that's where the transformation happens that's where the way he says it is that somehow love is holding my experience of anger and despair which the first time i read that i'm like wait a minute i had to get a visual say it, say, love, it, say it again say it again he says that somehow love was holding my experience of anger and despair and the first time I read it, I, I literally had a vision of like hands or a basket of that. That was love was holding the anger and despair because yeah. the anger or the rage was trying to protect, you know, my my little my very intense little not little, but my 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 woundedness, my hurt that was deeply buried underneath. Um, there's, a, there's another quote of his that I love where he says uh, along that line, he says, sometimes it's okay to think that our anger is trying to protect us. However, it's more truthful to think that it's actually protecting something else that's a little deeper than that. Yeah. It's protecting our hurt. It's protecting our broken hearts. The work to turn our attention back to the woundedness is this really intense, profound path of transformation, which doesn't feel as good as just responding to the anger because the energy of anger makes us feel powerful. Yes. It's, and the, that is, is really, really important, that last piece, because the energy of the anger makes us feel powerful, particularly when, if you're someone who is coming from a, you know, a, a position in life where you are marginalized or invisible, Right. This is this is where the liberation piece comes in is as a woman, I've been, you know, I've been ignored. I've been invisible. Um, I, I, I had a, the last women's march we had here in Kansas City. I had a, a gentleman was texting with me. I'm walking to. So I'm the one leading 3000 women through the streets of Kansas City. I got mm -hmm. the megaphone. You know, we're 30 minutes before we're about to start. And this, this gentleman was texting me, um, just, he couldn't come, but he wanted to make sure we knew he was supporting us. And he started to mansplain to me about women's rights. And I thought, oh my God. Um, and that was one of those moments of, you know, for me seeing that, you know, sexism at play, not his intention. And yet that was the, the, um, uh, so easy for us. It's so easy for us. Just the other day, I was talking to somebody about uh, <laughs> that that I'm gonna help uh, start up a podcast, and and uh, the 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 name of the podcast felt like it was centering maleness more mm. so. So me being the 
me being the good feminist that I am was pointing this out to a woman, by the way, this is, this is, the, this is a woman who's running the podcast. <laughs> so I'm pointing this out to her and begin a discussion with the Bible. And I'm like, yeah. And the Bible is like, you know, so misogynistic, yada, yada, yada. She's like, yeah, I know. I was like, oh yeah. Look at me, man. Look at me, man. Explaining the Bible to the former Mormon. <laughs> right. It's so yeah. easy. It's so easy for us. Cause we're so conditioned to do it. I was like, come on, Ogan. Get it together, man. <laughs> okay. We keep showing up though, right? Oh my but God. it, it was but I actually the anger popped up in the moment, right? Right. And uh and it was um and it did have that sense of power. Yeah. Um and so it's always I I it that becomes part of the you know the path that you know in recognizing um you know what it is there's a, a practice you know that we'll do in the workshop and um, well can we can we can we tease a little of the practices with a methodology yeah yeah, yeah. so so that's folks can get it get a sense okay I, well that was the you know one of them the snowell look at um, me look at me mansplaining the script again yes <laughs> well we want you to stay true to form you know <laughs> but where it's I, you know that that um a practice that when I start to feel angry, you know, to stay, to remember that statement that love is holding, um, mm-hmm. they often people, you know, think of them as opposites, um, or in opposite camps, love and anger or love and rage. And they're not because the love actually encompasses it. Um, it doesn't, I can't, I don't even want to say, okay, move to loving. Cause that'll make it go away. Cause that's not it. Um, but it's, it's love. It's the power of love, not romantic, you know, kumbaya, smushy, pink frosting love, but the true principle of love, which is messy at times, Yes. Um, but that allows us to see the anger, to give it a name, to know what's underneath that hurt, right? And to own it. That's what we don't want to do. We don't want to own the anger and we don't want to experience it. Because uh, most of us have a relationship with anger that if I go fully into it, I'm going to fall apart. It's like it's like yep. grief. It's like crying. If I go fully into that, it'll just fall apart. And listen, I like a good grief cry. I mean, yeah. it, it's been it's been, you know, um, with all the deaths that have been in my life in the last seven years, a week don't go by where I don't have at least a good one, two, maybe even three cries. And I've learned to be there, to be comfortable with that and to enjoy the catharsis of it. And I'm still, I'm still on my journey of getting to that same place of comfort with, with anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I accept that I am an angry person. I've learned to be okay with the fact that I can be angry and that anger is okay. And I don't need permission to be angry. And I also, here's the other piece of it. I don't need to be afraid of making you angry. Uh, you know, yeah. and and it's and again, I'm not making you angry. I'm, you know, your anger response being triggered because I said or did something that touched on a wound. Um, a catalyst. A catalyst. Exactly. Exactly. So, 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 my journey to this day is is trying to rewrite that default I mentioned earlier, backing away from that. You know, right. sort sort of deal. So I do like a two steps backward, three steps forward thing, which is still forward movement. But I, I'd love I'd love to continue the rewiring so that 
I don't do that two steps backward first. Because sometimes I do the two steps backwards and I get stuck there a little bit. And then, and yeah. then, and then there's the, you know, I'm, and I'm not being about myself. I am giving myself the credit for going like recognizing I'm stuck and then moving back forward and just accepting that that might be how it goes for right now for a while. And, you know, maybe one day it'll be just one step backward and two steps forward or, you know, whatever, but here we are. You know, one of the things that he, that he, um, in, that he talks about in the book that, um, I, the, when we think about anger and that, that bypassing stuff that we do, um, like I'm not supposed to be angry or, if I was a good, you know, spiritual person, I wouldn't be angry or I'd be able to make it go away quicker or whatever, whatever, you know, chatter that really just offers a sense of inadequacy for you. Mm -hmm. Um, But he, he, one thing that, um, that he says, and that, that kind of gets practiced throughout and, and we'll do it certainly in the workshop, but throughout the book is the idea that it's okay to privilege what I need not meaning like white privilege, mm-hmm. but it's not saying, and it's not even saying that my needs are better than someone else's. It's that my needs need to be considered just like I'm considering other people's. My needs matter. Um, my needs matter. They do. Yeah. But anger, I think, is a way to to not, you know, that I'm not even realizing that I'm ignoring what I need um, because of the what comes, you know, because we feel powerful. And, and, one of the things we also have to realize is when we express our needs doesn't mean they're going to get met. Right. And that's what often happens with a lot of, with a lot of us, right? We go like, I finally work up the courage to express my needs or here's what I want. Here's my desire. And then they don't get met. And then there is anger or, you know, the expectancy that saying it out loud should have, uh, be, be some nice feeling. Sharing our needs is the end point. Whereas sharing our needs is really just the beginning of the conversation. Well, and I'm, and I'm even talking about just taking care of myself, not even ah, like, gotcha. not even, not even asking someone else about my needs, but even, even recognizing that the idea that, um, that I have needs, know, <laughs> that, yeah, that I have needs and that they deserve to be paid attention to, gotcha. I mean, just within me, because, because we don't, because we, we have a judgment about anger. I'm not supposed to be angry. So let me redirect my attention over here. Let me not be angry, so to speak. Let me put the, you know. Type nines represent. What? Type nines represent. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) This is the thing. Not to turn this into Enneagram conversation, but but this is us type nines. We, We don't, we're not, we are not practiced in knowing what we want. We're so busy trying to take care of the people's needs, uh, right. you know, and, and many of us dependent on our roles, um, sometimes as parents, sometimes as spouse, sometimes as, you know, our whatever occupation we have, we are so busy tending to other people's needs that we forget our own, we lose our own. And then when they're not met again, then that, then that explosion comes and the, then the rage bubbles right. up um, as well. Um, well, there, you can't, right. you have to, you have to lean forward and you have to lean into the things that we habitually run away from. You have to. Yes. I mean, yeah. that's, that's, if I can't see things as they really are, not as I would like them to be, not as, you know, well, I'm holding this vision for XYZ kind of world, not as, as, you know, well, on my vision board or as I've imagined, not that, but as they really are. 
Yes. Um, and we have to. We, we have do, to. And I, I would say we do both, right? See things as they are, but also there is an element of seeing things as we would like them to be, because then we can see the discrepancy between the two and then decide maybe what is ours to do to, to, to work on and transform ourselves to start getting in that direction. Now, of course, the seeing things, uh, that vision for how we would like them to be is often all very subjective and complicated and can sometimes do more harm than good. And yeah, if I can just if I can just get to seeing things as they really are, then I can <laughs> then I know there's a pathway. That's the path to liberation. Yeah. I don't even want to. Me personally, I'm not. It's too easy to if I try to put. Yes, it is both and and we don't I, me or, you know, lots of people I know just don't have the capacity for both. If I can if I can see things for as they really are. Mm-hmm. and go into it own it experience it then i can i can discover that it's this wound or this hurt that needs my attention that needs some tenderness and you know integrate that back into myself and then you know things let go then you know float into you know what i've imagined or how i would like the world to be i just i yeah i i'm not going to move there too fast cuz i think in certainly in new thought where if we're in the dark, we're racing around feeling the walls trying to find the light switch rather than <laughs> rather it. than just sit down, shut up and be in the dark. There um, you go. There you go. Um, yeah. and, and, and again, part of it, and we, we talked about this in a, in a workshop we did recently, um, you know, when we when imagine the world as we would like it to be or as it should be, we often do it from our places of privilege. Right. Yes. And it and it does not account. It does not account for so many so many of the marginalized. We do it right. from that place and we don't even realize we're doing it. And then we're like, well, why isn't everybody buying into our vision <laughs> of, right. of how it of how it should be? Um, no, it's the vision of what works best for you at the end, not necessarily for all. All right. So so let's jump into a couple things, a couple of actual like uh, processes, a couple of practices. Um, how do we get there? We're just going to tease a few because if we tell you all now, you won't show up for the workshop. So we're just going to tease, tease a little bit. <laughs> tease, tease a little bit. Um, so, so do you do you want to go in order of what's here? Because no. you said you said something earlier. You said something earlier that I think would be a good jumping off point, which is uh, when we're talking about knowing and expressing and knowing that our needs matter or desires matter the self-care piece the self-care as self-preservation piece Mm. um i think is really really important because for me that that gives us the space to be aware of our needs our desires aware of what's missing to help sustain us um, is one aspect of self-care. The other one's then actually engaging in practices that, that replenish us. And in so doing, you know, as we often say, the rest, restore, repair, resist, that's, that's, that's the formula for disrupting the, mm-hmm. the capitalist system that, that invites us to keep grinding so much that we neglect our own needs. Or, or we mistake, we mistake our, our needs for uh what capitalism tells us we should need right well this is uh actually i mean 
this is sort of a sidebar, but this the idea of what you're talking about self-care as a form of self-preservation and how self-care disrupts the system of violence. You know, you mentioned the the book we're going to be doing in January, American Detox. This is, you know, one of the core teachings within it, um, the well-being industry, which is a part of self-care and how that has um, actually become capitalized, monetized. Yeah. All, all the all the things. All the things. Whitewashed. Um, all the things. Yes. Um so I, uh, you know, and um, how do we define self-care? Like what, what, mm. what exactly is self-care? I think there's a lot of people, um, particularly, I don't know about men. You can, you know, make generalizations about men for me. Uh, I, and I that know that- That won't end well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'd rather you get the flack than me. Fair enough, fair, fair enough. And I know there's a lot of women that unconsciously say self-care and what they think of is the spa. Mm -hmm. They think of a massage. They think of, you know, just a day without the kids. They think of, and it's, that's a, um, you know, on one hand, it's a, it's a kind of, you know, white woman kind of idea of Mm self-care and not, I'm not saying that, that women of color don't think those things. What I'm suggesting is that an awful lot of our our marketing and our advertising and and yoga is always is very often has been for a really long time these skinny white women you know getting their nails done or a massage or they got rocks on their back or or they're in these you know yoga positions and um, uh, I would I would offer up that self care is you know is far and away. From that, like, let's not talk about that. Um, and to be clear, we're not saying having a yoga practice isn't self care. That's not what we're correct. saying. Correct. <laughs> Just, don't don't send I us know. the emails. <laughs> I want to hear that Reverend Kevin no. Reverend Ogden don't want you to do yoga. That is not what we're saying. We're saying no. the, we're saying the industry one. Yes. And yes. two, often it becomes a status symbol for some people as well, right? Especially yep. when it comes yep. to, you know, what brand of mat do you have or outfit do you wear? And again, again, yes. there was a period of time I was caught up in, in that too. Mm. When I first started taking yoga on a regular uh, basis um, uh, back in the day, it was like, you know, went down the rabbit hole of finding the best mat and the best, the best mat carrying bag and all that crap. Like I was, yeah. you know... All that shit that didn't really matter, but you no. know, got 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 sucked into. I got sucked into that um, in a in a in a big way. And also, here's the other piece: got sucked into making sure everybody knew I was doing it. Right, oh. the, the bragging yeah. rights. Look how spiritual yeah. I am because of here's what I'm doing. Uh, sort right. of, sort of deal. So so yeah, there's 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 that there's that too. So there's there's part of the the why I think the self care um, conversation is is important um, and and really taking a look at what our practices are is because the um, it's important to see how self care actually disrupts the systems of violence and we've we've talked I don't know if we've ever done a whole blog on or podcast on it but um, but we've talked about it you know. Mm-hmm before and how um uh what it does is the reason it disrupts systems of violence is that self-care like um that really is um uh 
not the usual suspects, I'll say, uh, is it, it take, we take, we remove ourselves from the system, right? We take ourselves out of the, the system of oppression. We take, like when we feel really urgent about, I got to get this done, I got to get that done and this, and the, the idea of perfectionism and that urgency and getting it right or avoiding discomfort. Those are all when I, um, you know, if I have this thought, well, I'll go get a massage, then I won't be you know, worked up anymore. I'll go get, um, you know, I'll go get a, a pedicure and then I won't, you know, if we, if it starts to be like transactional, mm. um, it's not, we're not, we're, the self-care just props up the system of violence because we're not taking, we're not really taking care of what needs to be taken care of. And in, you know, what we, in the workshop and what he talks about the in the book are different practices and ideas um, that are around self-care practices that are about removing yourself. Like when you find yourself worked up, you pause, you breathe, and you just, you, you take yourself out. You have your own self-soothing system. Mm -hmm. Like, right, that, you know, we, we talk about embodied anti-racism. Well, you know, put your hands on your face or rub your thighs or rock or breathe. You know, it's not a, um, it, it's, it doesn't have to be that visit to the spa or yoga, which is fine, <laughs> but I'm looking at things that are more about addressing what's the systems of violence and oppression that have been activated within and then responding from that place. But we have to, you have to, we have to learn to embrace and love the anger and the rage that is bubbled up from um, uh, from the from being triggered. Does that make sense? It it does. It does because you know my my spa appointment may not be till next week. So yes. what, what, yeah. what am I doing in the meantime? Yeah. Right. Am I am I holding am I holding on to that rage? Am I simmering? Um, am I and then am I you know to use a Resmanicum's terminology, am I blowing it out on somebody else along the way, right? Till I can get to my to my spa appointment. You know, am I am I yelling and cussing at the person who cut me off on my way to my spa appointment that's supposed to or my yoga class that's supposed to make me feel more centered and holy? So so what am I what am I doing in the meantime? Um so, yeah, so so no, I, I understand what you're saying um completely. And and again, the, this is one of the these are some of the things that we are going to be talking about and equipping you and practicing um, in the course of, of the workshop. These um, in the moment, moment by moment, when you are by yourself at home practices rather than right. waiting for some external um, situation or occasion um, for self-care. Self-care self, self is the both end. Yes, it is the both going to a a spot it is the going you know to a silent or meditation retreat somewhere that's self-care self-care is also knowing how to soothe and center and de-escalate yourself in the moment or right after the moment or no matter where you are so it's it's it's, it's both and but the emphasis partially thanks to capitalism the emphasis is always on the here's what you do later um here's the break you take later keep working now but Here's here's the carrot of that big long break retreat, whatever that you can do you can do later to right. to replenish yourselves. I remember when uh, 
I remember when I stopped working in, 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 in the church, um, and, sorry about the dogs, and coming to that decision, <laughs> coming to that decision, I almost didn't make it because I had a sabbatical coming up, right? And my whole thinking was, if I could just like, you know, bear down for a year, one more year, baby, and I don't get that yeah. six month sabbatical, you know, and meanwhile, like I'm not sleeping. I'm like beside myself. Like, like I mean, you you bore witness to it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you know, I'm talking about, um, and then and then making a decision to walk away. You know, again with less than a year left before that sabbatical, and both me and people, some people around me are like, "What are you doing, man? Are you, are you crazy? Why would you give that up? Why would you give up six months paid sabbatical? You know." You just, I mean, come on, just coast, just dial it in for the rest of the year. But that might have been possible if I wasn't in the such the place of inner discontent that I was in, and all of that. I mean, talk about rage simmering and and you know and eating me up and feeling so out of place that that it just was not, I just couldn't be there. And again, this is not so much about the there or the place, but just the whole context of everything, um, you know? So, and, and it was on the tail end of COVID as well. And, you know, COVID yeah. was a whole different experience for everybody um, right. as, as well. So, 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 you know, had I, had I had some of these skill sets back then, uh, I was, I was going to say, it doesn't mean I had a state, I might've gotten out sooner. <laughs> right. But, you know, you, you, you point to, you know, a huge chunk of the book in, in that the body, you know, focusing on the body and, you know, these are embodied practices there, you know, a lot of them are contemplative, but they're because the body uh, uh, knows the story, right? Our wounds, our trauma, our anger lives in the body. Um, And when we don't pay attention to the body, um, there's, we're just sort of pushing the, pushing it out further and further until you, until you snap, you know, or, or whatever it is that makes it just can't, can't keep pushing it forward. Can't keep sweeping it under the rug. Can't keep burying it. You know, the pressure cooker it's done. It's, you know, and then our anger becomes, um, he uses the analogy in the book of, you know, walking into a, a burning room, you know, a room that's on fire, and we just react and jump out the window because we're going to get burned. But we jump out the window without knowing, you know, well, what story is the room on? You know, is it at the ground level or several stories up? You know, am I, um, there's been no space to think about where I might land. And that's what happens when we keep pushing it out. And, and you know, maybe I land and I don't get hurt badly, but maybe I, you know, I jump out and, um, and I wind up really getting hurt. So the, the, but by paying attention to the body, like that's how I was hearing what you were talking about, like in deciding mm-hmm. to, to leave church ministry was that the body was telling the story. Um, and when we are, when you're rooted, as he says, when I'm rooted in love, anger reveals itself as trying to point us to our hurt. And when I take care of my hurt and loving at the same time, the energy of anger becomes an energy that helps me cut through distractions and focus on the work that needs to be done. Yeah. Um, 
And he's just so being rooted in the love while being angry. Um, that's how I hear your story. My, my body wasn't telling the story. My body was projecting it onto an IMAX screen. Yeah. And Dolby surround sound. <laughs> well, it's the body was telling the story. It was checking it, out. It, it, and, and me going, and me going, <laughs> how, do I, how do I get out of this theater? It's like really bright and really loud. Like too bright, too loud. I don't like what's on the screen. I don't, and every and it was like one of those like every door out of that mini theater led me back into the same theater. So I was like, all right, I, how, uh, do I, how, do, how do we how do I stop this? Like a fun house. I got like a <laughs> oh full circle, full circle back. To, I see what you did there. That was brilliant. Yep, uh, that like was that? brilliant. I do I do like that. I do like that. That was that was good. So ah, so um um so. I, I think we can start to wrap up here a little bit. Um, yeah, there's so many things that, you know, um, you know, in it is the, the, you know, some contemplative practices specifically around the meditation practice of Tonglen, which is one of my favorites. Yeah. That's a practice of mine The what he refers to as skillful mourning, mm. you know, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, it's skillful mourning, um, which, you know, um, again, it's just, it's, you know, this, you know, that's one of those areas, the mourning, the grief, where, where we have a tendency in our culture, and certainly within new thought circles, that somehow anger can't be part of it. Yeah. Um, especially if a person committed suicide, oh. or if the person was not a very nice person. Yeah. Like somehow, because they're dead, we're not supposed to be angry. Yes, yes. Um, um, I, I, yes, yes. There's a and, lot and, of anger. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, and and that can, if we do that, we can actually wind up being more fixated on the pain and the grief and not to try to make it go away, but allow us to, you know, by being able to hold, um, you know, anger um, as part of a cycle of, of grief or mourning, yeah. um, it allows us to metabolize or, or get, you know, give space for the grief. Um, was, again because love is holding it yeah that was one of the things that my therapist um after jennifer died really worked with me to go like you can be angry you can be yeah. very angry that she died you can be very angry around her choices that led to her death you can be angry around the fact that you are here raising this 15 year old no yeah. she was i mean 14 at the time but turned 15 shortly afterwards you know, on your own, you can be angry that this did not turn out how it's supposed to. You can be angry about all those things. Does not mean you loved her any less. Right. You know, it, that's, I think that's a place for us to pause because it's kind of like with grief too, is that anger means that love is there. Yeah. Yeah. If you didn't love, you wouldn't get pissed off. Right. And so if I'm angry, it's, um, it's really what's deeply underneath is, is a hurt, right? Yeah. And the hurt is, you know, is a function of, you know, perhaps love was missing yeah, you know, or something, but, but it's just, I think we miss that. Um, and certainly this will come out in, in the workshop, the play shop. I called it a play shop because I don't like the word work. <laughs> Listen, let's be clear. Let's be clear. We're going to be working though. Yeah, I know, but it's just work has just gotten to be one of those four-letter white words. Um, 
but yeah, anger um, and rage means that love is present. Yes, it really does. It 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 really does, and 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 we we have the capacity for both. And they, and they don't negate each other. So please head over to projectscientist.com uh, slash events. Um, register for Love and Rage, a contemplative play shop on liberation. Again, it will be on November 12th from 10 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. This is a Saturday. Yes, there'll be breaks. There'll be time for lunch, um, all that sort of thing. If we were meeting in person, I'd say we provide lunch, but we're not. It's on Zoom. So, you yeah. know, bring, bring your lunch or... Whatever. We're going to provide space to have lunch. <laughs> there you go. We'll provide the lunchroom. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so yes, please, please join us in that. Um, and um, what, what, what Kelly and I have come to is that, you know, like we, a lot of these workshops we're, we're going to repeat. We understand that, you know, for some of you scheduling wise, you can't make a certain day. Um, and, and we may repeat these later. We probably will, but, um, this would be a good one again to get into going into the holidays because let's be clear, sometimes the holidays stoke a lot of not just anger because sometimes sometimes we would rather not have the relatives that we do, uh, yeah. that, that folks things, but also a lot of grief, a lot of grief yeah. is activated yeah. during the holidays as well. And, and with that, you know, we touch on anger, we touch on the deep love. So, so this would be a great, um, um, equipping as we move into the holidays. So please go sign up for that. Also sign up for the talking to your people um, as well. Um, you can make donations at projectsanctus.com. As always, please, please be part of our affinity groups that meet first and third Wednesdays of every month because it's in discussions like these that we have that, that all, this, all this stuff comes up and all this stuff, you know, we, we, we are in community together um, as we do that. Um, thank you again for listening, for subscribing on whatever platform you subscribe and listen on. Please rate us on the platform. Tell others about it. If you happen to know that person who does not know what a podcast is, they can listen online at withloveandjustice.podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, podbean.com. Uh, and I think that covers it for today. So until we meet next time. Let's get our holy on. Let's get our holy on.